This podcast was proudly brought to you by the Institute of Directors with support from the Advanced Directors course. Kia ora, I'm Stephen Moe, and this is the last episode of Season 2 of Board Matters, where we've been exploring the diverse perspectives of directors from around the country, getting an insight into their sectors to find out why governance and the decision-making process is important, what it looks like when it's done well, and importantly, what needs to change. In this episode, we'll hear from Natasha Cockrell. I'm a registered architect. I've been working in architecture for for 20 years since I graduated from Auckland University. The last 13 years of that have been at a company called Prendos, a nationwide company with about 100 staff. As well as architecture, we do engineering, uh, surveying, project management, evaluation. So it's broadly construction and property sort of consultancy services. But for me, architecture is my my passion and my, my baby within the company. Architecture for me, it's like designing what isn't yet there. You know, you got to have yes. that plan in mind and then having the vision to look at a space and think, okay, what's it going to look like? You, you've got to have that foresight. And that's kind of similar with, with governance. So why did you choose to specialize in that area? I actually decided to be an architect when I was about 12 years old. I figured out you could combine creative arts, physics and, and maths, which were my my specialties. Governance is a really interesting one, and especially for me, having gone to the advanced directors course with the IOD last year, you've got this pool of highly specialised expert professional directors that that just have so much knowledge of governance, but then the majority of the of the companies in New Zealand are run by people that a lot of them have no idea what governance is or are just so busy running their businesses that they you know they have no time for this thing called governance. I find it really interesting that there's some companies that are run on this really um, best practice corporate governance model and then probably 90% or more are just bumbling along really and, and trying to do the best we can. Do you think there's anything unique about governance in your particular sector, thinking about architecture? Yeah, I think architects are really terrible directors, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I know lots of architects that run their own businesses and, and are, um, are shareholder directors, um, is that we're so passionate about architecture and design. You know, half of them would work for free and, and often do <laughs> with some clients. And and so we're so focused on that. There's almost a resentment of, oh, yeah, I've got to run a, a business and, and be a leader and, and do this thing called governance. It's, it's just a distraction from the really fun, interesting stuff we want to do. A lot of architects really struggle to run businesses. You know, they start a business because that's the next kind of logical career step if, you know, if you want to make any money. And But actually running the business and, and leading the business and governing the business sucks up so much of the time. And I think that is different than other professional services firms because when I look at um, lawyers and accountants, for example, it's intrinsically linked up with governance because, you know, the legal and the financial parts of governance, you know, those types of consultants are set up to do that and, and understand it really well. And actually, professional director is a kind of a known career path for lawyers and, and accountants. But for architects, all we want to do is draw pretty pictures and, and design buildings. You know, architects that spend the time to um, to understand governance and get involved in it, we can be really good at the strategy and risk part of it. We're able to think laterally. So for architects that do spend some time understanding governance, we can do a good job if if we wanted to. Yeah, that's the bit that interests me is always thinking about sectors or thinking about specialties and then thinking about, well, actually, these people are really skilled in a certain area. I'm really intrigued by a project that you were involved in, a 900-year-old monastery in Norwich. And what some of the thinking was going on, because 
that to me is a really fascinating example of an intergenerational perspective. That was quite early on in my career when I was working in, in London, and it was actually on the site of the monastery. It was a commercial office building, pretty boring kind of commercial office building project, but the, the UK has some really strict planning rules around historical sites like this one. And there was actually um, an old graveyard on part of the site, parts of the site we couldn't go near, and there was some kind of religious overlays to how we had to deal with the site. And then the client wanted to tie into the, the history of the of the site as well. So using some of the local stone from the monastery and then the building. The monastery wasn't there anymore. It was basically rubble and the graveyard. And in coming from New Zealand, you know, going to the UK and thinking this is 900 years old and it's not even old for them. The thing that interests me, you know, that lens of what an architect would bring to a governance role is I think when you're designing a building, you have more in your mind than the next quarterly profit report or the next yearly summary of what was done. And sometimes in governance, I think our our sites are too limited. You know, we're looking at too short a time span. Can you comment on that from, you know, from an architect's perspective? You're thinking a longer term vision, right? I'd often think about, well, I'm, I'm working with a heritage building. And so this heritage building, it doesn't have a 50-year lifespan. It has a lifespan of indefinite, um, hundreds of years into the future. So you're actually thinking when these windows are replaced or when this flashing is replaced, I'm going to be dead. You know, you're thinking 50, 100 years into the future, which is actually quite strange to think about. But you're still taking, you know, the, the care with those selections, even though, it's going to have no effect on you personally because you won't be here. It, it does align with how we need to think with businesses, you know, especially now when we're thinking so much more about that ESG piece and sustainability that actually the decisions we make are not about what's going to affect us personally. Um, and in our lifespans, it's it's really thinking generations into the future. Um, and especially at this point in time, it just feels like we're at a really critical point where more than ever the decisions we make right now in the next five years are multi-generational Māori understand it. We work with a lot of iwi clients on construction projects and they all have that long lens. A lot of the time they're, they're building to rent, they're building for their iwi um, or they're building to hold for the next 20 years. So they've got a different perspective on what value means. That Māori approach to governance um, has that longer lens and that's sustainable, you know, about how decisions in our business as part of our industry, as part of a country and part of the world, how does our tiny puzzle piece fit into that um, that wider future? There's not many famous architects that I could name, but one of them <laughs> would be um, Gaudi in terms of the, um, the the buildings that he put up in Barcelona. Um, I'm thinking in particular about the Sagrada Familia, which is this church, yeah. which, you know, he was designing it. I think it was the late 1870s. He died in about 1925, and it will be completed sometime this decade. And that, to me, has always been a really interesting picture that the architect there was designing something and even in that case, building it and working on it, knowing that he would not see the end product. I went there about 15 years ago. It's it's amazing. But there's cranes all over it. It's an active construction site. Um, and then the architecture is so out there and fantastic and, and modern and weird that you think, well, how could this have been designed by somebody 150 years ago? You know, it doesn't look like architecture of that age. And I guess that's the point, isn't it? And I'm relating it back to governance, the idea mm. that we actually have to have a vision that's beyond what we can see with our own eyes. Because if you think about Gaudi, if he had designed a standard church building and built it 
in five years or something, no one would visit it because it would yeah. just be the, the same as every other building. But it, because he had the vision to say, well, let's do something different. I was on a tour there and they said 5 million people a year visit that site. Like it's one of the most visited places in Europe. And so yeah. having that long-term vision, drawing it back to governance, that's kind of the role of the board of directors, isn't it? To have the vision of what will be rather than what we can see. Absolutely. It's about bravery because everyone must have thought he was an idiot when he came up with this idea or, or a crazy man. And I think, you know, that the visionary ideas of 10 to 20 years time, the people with those ideas now will be seen as really out there. You know, you have to be quite brave to, um, to do something so different. Um, and it does take a certain type of director really to, to do that. And, and a certain type of company, the company that I'm working in and pretty much every other company, they have shareholders and often the shareholders are the directors and they have responsibility to shareholders. And some of those, you know, these big, crazy, wild ideas um, have a lot of capital requirements and probably not much payback in the short term. So <laughs> it's quite, quite a big ask in terms of companies to make um, those decisions. Board Matters, brought to you by the Institute of Directors with support from the Advanced Directors course. I'm just curious if you can give us any examples of when you've seen governance done poorly. Pretty much everybody in my industry probably, I wouldn't, maybe not poorly, but does it pretty averagely or, or not really at all. Like I've spoken to fellow directors of architectural firms who are almost always shareholders, owner, operator in the business, on the business, does everything. Some of them, you know, if you mention governance, there's just a blank look. So they're not consciously doing governance. Obviously they are because they're a director and, and they have their responsibilities under the law and, and running the business, but they're not thinking about governance. They don't have an understanding of concepts like the four pillars. As far as they're concerned, they're just managing their business. So they don't understand that management operations slash governance divide. So it's not necessarily that they're doing it poorly. It's just that they're not consciously doing governance at all. And that's probably true across a huge amount of sectors in New Zealand because we just have this SME dominance of, of the market, the sort of entrepreneurial people that have started companies. How about when governance is done really well? What makes good governance unique? I think it's the ability to put aside time for governance outside BAU. And obviously, professional directors do that really well because that's their job. That's the only thing they do. But for people that also work in the business to actually separate out time from operations to say, let's focus on governance. It's that ability that, that makes it work well. Personally, for me, going to the advanced directors course last year was a, a real eye-opener. In my cohort, I was the only one there that I was, was a shareholder director. The rest of the people there were all professional directors. Um, and I was just blown away by just their breadth of experience across multiple sectors and industries and how they could bring experience from a completely opposing or different sector and apply it to a different industry. They were able to be so self-aware of their own biases and the way they're able to listen to others in the room, be willing to have their minds changed, showed me the difference between that professional governments and professional directors and those of us that have kind of become accidental directors, so to speak. I've done the same course. And, and the thing that struck me was that the people in the room had this learning mindset, you know, that mm. they didn't they didn't view themselves as being experts, that they didn't have all the knowledge, even though some of them had been been in governance for like 
40, 50 years, yeah. you know, they, you can't view governance as an end point. You know, it's not mm. like, you know, everything there is. If you read textbooks about it, there would still be more to learn. And I think that learning mindset is something that's really important when it comes to thinking about governance. And just that ability to be super self-aware and really open-minded and to bring a really broad range of experience into your thinking of governance seems to be what makes a really good director versus one that's more narrow-minded and focused you know, on an end goal in the future and just working with tunnel vision. Certainly some of the really good directors that I've been involved with have that ability to just um, take a step back and think really, really broadly. Because obviously something switched for you, because if your industry doesn't approach it in the same way, what is it that happened for you to realize that you needed to upskill, you know, remain relevant and think about governance in a different way? Yeah. So when I first became a director of, of Prendos quite a few years ago, I was only 34. I walked into a boardroom with um, seven male directors, all at least 15 years older than me. And I really felt like the odd one out and I was completely out of my depth. I asked to go on the Institute of Directors Governance Essentials course, which is a one-day course that they run. And something really clicked in my brain during that course. I was like, oh, there's this whole other world out there of governance and really, I guess, ignited a bit of an interest in me. And sort of running parallel with my architectural career that I really wanted to learn more about governance and actually try to do a really good job of it and do it consciously. And so went on to do more learning with the Institute of Directors. I did the company directors course and then obviously the advanced directors course last year. I would never want to just be a professional director because I love my career too much, but it has ignited a bit of a side interest for me and, and wanting to get involved in not-for-profit governance, you know, on a, on a few sort of small not-for-profit boards at the moment as well. And really a parallel career path for me. So something else that I'm doing that's kind of linked, but separate also from, from architecture. And I think it was the way that good governance and all good directors can make such difference to an organization. Um, I think one of the things that you're touching on as well is that if someone has the opportunity to upskill about governance, then they can take that knowledge to other boards where perhaps the board members wouldn't be able to access that knowledge and so that's kind of a responsibility on us, isn't it, as board members to be bringing, uh, upgrading the standard of governance across all of the boards that we're on, not just the quote marks professional boards. Yeah. And it's amazing how many learnings you can take to, to different boards, which are completely different sectors. And it is, I think that experience is, is really valued by the people on those boards, especially not-for-profits, there's a certain type of people that do volunteering work and, and do work for free. And they're the kind of person that says yes to everything and just work really hard and have such good intentions and don't necessarily have any skills or knowledge in that area, but are willing to learn and, and give it a go. So so I found it really rewarding being on those not-for-profit boards with these people that are so willing to learn and to, to dedicate their own personal time to organizations and to upskill their governance. And there's some great governance courses for not-for-profits out there for free available, you know, if you're on school boards or, um, or small community not-for-profits, which are fantastic. Well, Natasha, I've really enjoyed hearing your perspective on governance and in particular, those reflections about architecture and that long-term vision, just talking with you about Gaudi and, and, you know, making decisions that might seem counterintuitive at the time, but actually in the long run, they have a massive impact on many people. Do you have any parting thoughts on governance and maybe what you'd like to see for the future of governance in Aotearoa, New Zealand? 
I would like to see SME directors or, or shareholders have an understanding of governance and maybe there's a space there for a governance course or a, a more simplified form of the sort of best practice corporate governance model that we know that could be rolled out to SME owners that, you know, could see them thinking more consciously about governance and actually applying that governance mentality rather than just doing business, managing their business. That's something that I I would like to see from my own experience. That was Natasha Cockrell. I'm Stephen Moe, and that was the last episode of Board Matters Season 2 made by the Institute of Directors with support from the Advanced Directors course, an immersive three-and-a-half-day course designed for directors tackling complex governance issues and challenges looking to hone their leadership skills. You can find all of the episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and while you're there, we would love for you to share, like, or subscribe. If you'd like to find out more about governance, head to iod.org.nz. Kakite, and thanks again for listening.